This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com and, and I don't know how to introduce this guy. I think he's from Australia. It's our chairman, Mr. Clem Corfini. Thank you, answer. It's a question for Clem. Clem, please. Thank you, Clem. Uh, he's, you're, 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 you're correct, Vic. It's for the late payments to HMRC um, and another um, uh, date of it. I can tell you guys here that off the field we are run quite well compared to League Two and National League. Um, and you can quote me on this: League Two, National League club, Sweden and Town is run very, very well. Um, look, it's a, min- a ministry error. error. Uh, at the end of the day, there's no point in playing. Is there any point? Should we just should we just stop playing now? There's 17 games left. The only club that uh, have got a better deal than us on season tickets we played on Saturday. So um, you can have a think of what you want about that. I like the town, regardless of all the stuff that people are saying about me. Um, and it's not potentially what everybody wants to think it is. You could shake your head, but we bought the ground. Yeah, I think my comments were fully administered um, and said, and I do agree with what the guy said, you guys are the life and soul of the football club. If you want to get up this league, you need to change your mindset. You need to work hard. I think you've got to you've got to look further afield for talent as well, haven't you? Um, Aussie, Crouchy, everything. You've got to. You've got to. How have I killed the club? No, no. How have I killed the club? But have we paid for Chris Miles to come here? No, we haven't. So don't think that we paid for Chris Miles over Dan Kemp because we haven't. I totally agree. But we, we all suffer at the at the end of the day. We all gotta to work together. If we need to if we want to get out of this league, we need to all stick together. If we don't stick together, we're never gonna get out of this league. Well it's it's swing the time. was fun. Hello, Sam. Hi, Rich. How are you? Tired. <laughs> Last night was quite the do, and although I was watching it from my sofa, um, oh, I couldn't really sleep after it for various reasons, including prepping this conversation, but an extraordinary evening at the Legends Lounge. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was sort of expected. Um, there's all, There is a, a vocal group within the fan base and it is not tiny so it was always 
a reasonable expectation that there would be dissenting voices there. Um, I think it degenerated into a kind of pointless exercise of mudslinging and mudslapping, which was a bit frustrating at times, but I understand why it happened. <laughs> and instead of giving more clarity, as these things often do, it muddied waters a bit more in a lot of places. It's certainly two hours I'm not going to get back. Oh <laughs> um, well, yeah. I I mean, uh, if people did take something from it, fair enough. And there, there are themes that emerged and the general uh, vibe of the evening and the way in which different people responded to questions and what they said is, is worth exploring. Um, but in terms of new answers, like headlines, there's really not a not a lot that's there. Um, but I think it did give us an insight into the collective psyche of the club and its supporters at this time. And that's, uh, that's probably the most valuable part of it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Bob asks you, Sam, hope you're not sucked into the let's string him up brigade. Is this going to happen with yourself? Well, I mean, I, I don't think so because um, I, I wasn't there when we last spoke. I didn't, I didn't have that sort of perspective yet. I haven't done had enough conversations. Um, and regardless, increasingly, I'm of the opinion that he's that, that Clemorfuni is not an, an owner that is trying to do the club down or is nefarious or any way. Um, so no, I'm not up for stringing up anyone pretty much. Um, but what I am up for is establishing the direction of our football club and the club that means a huge amount to a large number of people in the community of Swindon and much further afield. And right now the question that needs to be discussed is what is that direction? And, um, there was not the clarity on that last night, uh, as we'll go into more de- detail in uh, in the next however many minutes we're going to talk about it today. And let's try not to do an hour and a half this time, hey, Rich. Um, <laughs> I can't, I can't but, <laughs> but yeah, I, it, I'm, I'm not going to call for Clemorfuni to be strung up, but I think that there needs to be a full and frank a conversation at the club as to what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it and whether or not it is actually the right thing to do. Um, and that comes in many different areas. And I'm sure that we'll get onto it from the, the various comments that have come your way in the, in the hours since. We certainly will. And even from my side, you know, we, we've done a lot of pods where we've discussed the things that have annoyed us, but we've always, always looked to show our working and there were a lot of questions being fielded and you just wanted them to go a little bit more, but also just calm down a little bit um, as, as they were going down that road. We'll, we'll do a few uh, messages. Doug says, who was there, it felt like a very angry room and deservedly so. All the shouting outs and general angst let them off the hook a bit as it just activated angry Clem mode. It would have been good if Anthony Hall had been questioned a little bit more because... Wow, out of his depth is an understatement. STFC Nick says, quite impressed with that panel, apart from the two blokes at the end in suits. Are they important in any way? Matt said, we learnt nothing, 
People running the club are sorry but incompetent. It was a pointless exercise to appease fans and drink in the applause from the deluded happy clappers. Not sure what else Sam takes from that. And Rob says, and we'll we'll focus on this one, just vibes-wise, they seem genuinely surprised by the hostility and that people weren't mollified by middle management slides about ethos and of the academy. Do we think they genuinely don't understand the frustration? Yeah, the the PowerPoint in its form as presented was ill advised because it it did it did give uh, off a sense of um, cheapness, which is you know the vibe that hangs over the club still is that things being done on the cheap. There's nothing wrong with the presentation and actually elements within that presentation, particularly when it came to the general structure of the academy and the the attempt by the, the guys who uh, are on the footballing side to instill a common thread through the club is admirable and is not anywhere near isolated for Swindon Town. It's something which good practice is, is employed widely across the Football League. Um, but... Getting a sort of one, three, five-year rough guide, no detail, no flesh, um, and elements of which are uh, either conflicting against things which have previously been said or things that have previously been done, or just trying to um, trying to push the idea of promotion this season in the circumstances, which of course it's still possible, um, but for many will just appear to be uh, silly to say publicly. Um, you know, when so I remember my second year of covering Swindon when the club was relegated out of uh, League One um, under Danny Wilson and Paul Hart, and the the players were sort of talking about the playoffs well into the new year. Then, when it was obvious that things were not going to to go right at all, and it's just that communication is a bad idea. Don't talk about things which people who've been around football know is almost certain not going to happen because the the fans have also been around football a long time. And the one thing they do know about football clubs is the likelihood of ups and downs, depending on your position in, in the football league in a certain year. So that though, there were bits of it that just seemed silly and um, cheap bits of it that were, that were good and giving an understanding of what they're trying to um, uh, put into the club lower down, <clears throat> particularly from uh, Alex um, Pike and Jamie Russell, in parts, I thought spoke well, um, but do we generally not understand the frustration? Uh, I think the answer is that that was genuine. Yeah, I think that they genuinely seemed to be taken aback by the level of dissent in places at times, and obviously there were times at which Clem got angry. Um, I spoke to a couple of people who actually thought that he was at his most convincing in terms of being committed to the club when he was angry. Um, uh, I, uh, it is the one area which I continue to, to think that they just, they don't get um, is, is how the town reacts to its football club or how the community reacts to its football club and how they go about addressing the imbalance of emotions that they've currently got. It's not just saying, the same buzzwords over and over again. This isn't politics. You know, this, these things don't pass. You can't be Trumpian about it and just shut things out, pretend things aren't happening. You have to address them and address them in a way in which the people who care deeply about the product that you manage and you're responsible for will understand and empathize with and go along with. 
And right now, I reckon it's a pretty even half split between those who remain pretty firmly entrenched in a position that um, Glenn Morphoney took the club off Lee Power and has uh, has delivered um, a an element of in, of capital injection um, to keep it going to an extent, and that, that and that's a reason to be thankful. And I don't think that it is necessarily a reason to uh, not be thankful. You know, he's, it is good that we have a club of some sort, but I'm not sure that there was necessarily a an opportunity to say there wouldn't have been a club. Um, but he's this ownership has has lost control of its narrative. It's the same thing we were talking about when we last spoke. It's lost control of its narrative. It doesn't have a proper communication strategy beyond a basic framework. And going forwards, that is going to continue to cause division. And division will cause dissent. And dissent will impact the bottom line eventually. And it will be no better realised than the season tickets. I don't think that there'll be a huge collapse in sales. I think that there is a core bulk of people who buy every year because they enjoy taking their family, <clears throat> excuse me, to 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 a game at the weekend. They've got a long association with the club. It's an event in their calendar that probably makes up the bulk of season ticket sales. But the floating season tickets are people who care about the football, who listen to everything that comes out of the club, who have long-standing generational ties to the place, and therefore care hugely about how it's being run and or what the vibe is within it um, and people who actually want to be entertained when they go on a weekend. Um, there's only so much of that that can be addressed on the field and a lot of it is off it. And I, I think that, that the club needs to recognise that just because Clem Fooney has put money in or has secured money that has been put in to the club does not mean automatic... Um, thrall to this ownership and that th- there has to be an element of accountability and yesterday should have been an exercise in accountability uh, and it is good that they put themselves up for it but ultimately we're not having adult enough conversations on either side about it at the moment we, we are either being very defensive or very opaque about what's going on or we're throwing lots of lots of shit at the wall and seeing which of it actually sticks um, some of it is is correct, and some of it is very much concerning. Some of it is just hysterical and, and is over the top and, and unnecessary to try and dwell on at the moment. And those adult conversations need to happen from both sides to make sure that this club pulls itself together. As as Clem Morfuni was saying regularly yesterday, he wants it to be together, and and to, for it to be together, everyone has a responsibility to talk about what's going wrong. And if if the ownership at the end of it is not capable of sorting it it is on them to accept that and to sell and that but that's only their decision it's their club um they they have a right to to make that decision um whether or not down the line uh they will decide that i don't know as he keeps saying if, if someone came in with an offer that was too good to refuse he won't refuse it um but if he wants togetherness if he wants to make moves up the division if he wants to secure good season ticket sales, if he wants an atmosphere that that isn't fractious, if he wants a sense of community, then there are things which are desperately lacking from his current current regime. And that's the number one thing that should be addressed right now. And I'm just not sure they have the strategic sense in football. They obviously have run businesses previously, but the strategic sense in a footballing environment to do that. 
and they need people in that club who know what they're doing. And I don't think they have them in enough senior positions at the moment. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more on that front. And, you know, that was that was probed during the, the Q&A. And I think one of the most regrettable elements of this is the division within the fan base. Swindon Contrarian Society says, was an interesting microism of the fan base as a whole, small group of seven or eight mouthy pissheads making a lot of noise without doing much listening or understanding. I don't want to dismiss um, the fact that there's a significant percentage, maybe even a majority, who still lean towards trusting or wanting Morfuni to improve, to be better. You know, there were comments during the Q&A about, like, Campbell Morfuni killing the club, or he's killed the club, which doesn't help and critical fans of Morfini did allow their emotions to bubble over dwelling on certain areas and creating awkward exchanges with the panel were there any areas that you were disappointed not to see covered last night yeah yeah I but uh, I'm not sure I mean the, the Chris Kylie's involvement is the primary thing which we don't have clarity on but then again I can't be too critical on coming up as supporters questions because I failed to ask <laughs> Clem Morfini about it um when I spoke to him recently um it would be interesting to know what the involvement is there and how much how much say Chris Kiley has on uh, uh, the future of the club, say, if someone came to look to buy it, um, whether he has any say there, um, as much as how much influence he, he currently has over um, uh, squad selection, which would, un- I mean, it'd be understandable if he did because he's, you know, they've got a model going on there, which um, which they stick to quite a lot. In terms of their recruitment and their um, analysis with with his his model, but um, that that is an interesting area. But I I would assume that we'd get the same uh, the same answer in that um, Clem Fooney will say that as he does, he he owns the majority shareholding in the club, and therefore uh, on paper it is his uh, and his to make decisions over. And you know, on paper it's quite hard to come back and say well that's not right because the paper says that it is um it doesn't sound like those shareholdings are moving at all really um in terms of the 22 percent that went uh to uh the wife of chris kiley and the wife of lawyer eddie paladorio um which is always something that will keep coming up and we're waiting now for the afl to say what they want to say about that um I think that it comes back to the point, though, Rich, which is having adult conversations about this. And yes, there were times in the room where it got hysterical on both sides. There is good reason on both sides why they, why those emotions ran high. Um, the, from the fans' perspective, those who, who look at it uh, and put one set of answers up against another, up against another, up against another over time, see inconsistencies which uh, make them worried and the club has been scarred repeatedly over the past 35 years by issues most like just about every single Swindon Town fan alive will have that sort of sense of dread about uh, what will happen next what's the next big thing that's going to come up and cause issues at the club and I think that exaggerates emotion at times, but it also makes us super aware of, fla- of red flags early on. Um, I think, though, that there's a lot of conversation around the place about whether things going on are nefarious, whether they're criminal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm still yet to be convinced that there is a great deal going on in terms of untoward stuff 
within the ownership of the football club, as is laid out by who has the shareholdings. Um, there are certainly people attached to the club in different ways that you might not want to be involved in your club in an ideal world. Um, but I think we need to have the honest conversation at the moment, which is, can Clem Morfuni uh, put the money in, the time in, the strategy in, the communications in, that is going to uh, make this club go up to where it probably has a rightful place over time, which is the top half of League One. I mean, you talk about Swindon Town should be in the championship, which is what he said. I don't think that there is much to, to go on that. I mean, it's got, a, it's got a good catchment area. It's got some investment potential. If someone with a lot of money wanted to come in, an overseas investor, it probably has an element of, um, of history that, that would attract them, but it would require someone with loads of money to, to get it into the championship. And it's not its historic place. It's historic place is the top half of the third tier. Um, so I think that that is wild. I mean, it's good to be aspirational, but I think it's borderline um, unrealistic to, to just say that the club should be in the second tier of the football um, pyramid in this country. I, look, I, I could go on forever like this. I just don't think that we're having enough. I don't think we're having enough adult conversations about it. Identifying the key areas that don't that don't stack up, asking the ownership why they don't stack up, and then asking ourselves what is it that this ownership is trying to achieve and can it achieve it? Um, and if not, is it just because it's not capable of doing it? Um, that would be fine. You know, it, it, it is okay for an ownership to just not be good at running a football club. It just has to recognize that it's not that good at running a football club. If that's the case. Um, I know what the answer will be to that too, though, because obviously there's a load of debt that, that has in theory been, moved on from previous people connected to the club, but it's just connected to other people now going forward. So uh, Rich, it's, it's, it's all a mess and, and it doesn't seem to be untangling itself at all. No, it's not. Um, yeah. There's just so much to, to cover in this and you don't want an hour and a half, but Sam, the way it's going, we're going to be there. <laughs> don't you worry about that. Cause I'm just going to let you talk um, a little bit of a side note as we, as we begin to talk about, we're not talking about every question on the forum. We're just trying to pick out the bits, the, the meat to the bone really, but it's hard to ignore the, the amount of criticism that went Phil King's way in terms of the feedback that I was getting um, going beyond, shall we say, his duties as an MC. It's quite frustrating at times when you want to hear Clem Mulfuni, who, who doesn't pick up the mic that much. He, he, he's a noted uh well, he doesn't like he doesn't like these events. He says it all the time. So when you when you when you have him in the room, and people are asking tricky questions, shall we say, for Phil King to wade in with football cliche silliness, it was very frustrating. And I think generally, as as another side, I think given what happened in the hours before with the EFL charge there was enough time for them to just sit, revise the running order of this, who should be at the event and and go from there. But Phil King went above and beyond for for his for his owner at that stage. Yeah, um he did. I think start actually off with with, with Clem. This is the first time I've properly been in the in a room with a lot of people to listen to Clem address it. Uh and I was quite surprised by how um feeble he was in front of an audience like that 
given what he is like in person in small groups, which is he's incredibly affable, he's charming, he makes a terrific first impression. Um, in front of a load, a large group of people, it it was surprisingly meager and meek, and uh, it, it didn't help that that's what how the club chose to um, kick off that event because it set the tone for what people were going to expect of it. Personally, I expected him to uh, read a statement um, addressing the Football League charge or the Football League judgment first. That's what I would have um, suggested had I been in charge of his communications, is to immediately address it and to have read a statement that gave some detail and some extra clarity as to what happened and to lay out the fact that it wouldn't happen again. Um, but if if someone is not particularly strong and confident in these environments, they need us to have some sort of crutch, a structure by which they can present and be a bit more comfortable. And it does feel like th- this is how Clem does his com- mass communication, is that he has a series of points, of talking points, on slides, and that's how he he will break it down in front of people. He had it for his uh, video when we had the press junket the other day as well. He had a series of slides that had been printed out that were in front of him there. Um, again, it's not necessarily the fault of an owner to to not be strong in that respect. Andrew Black was notoriously shy about putting himself in front of um, any sort of media during his time. But what Andrew Black had was Nick Watkins and Jeremy Ray. And the club doesn't have that now. They don't have a Mark Devlin, if we want to go back a bit further. There are people who, even in hard times, can present a a picture of um, confidence, of competence, uh, of commitment, of eloquence, um, and just being able to put over a, an opinion, a perspective, which even if a lot of people in the room wouldn't agree with it, they would still listen. And if you don't have an element of authority in the room, then you will lose the room. And we've we've seen it again and again and again and again with this particular ownership is that they are very weak when it comes to communication and they're not investing in that communication, either time, strategy, personnel, whatever it happens to be. Um, and and that makes it a real issue. So obviously that's not directly addressing the, the matter of of Phil um, and his and his interventions, which I agree were um, clunky and didn't didn't help with uh, transparency. Um, but in the greater scheme of things, as I've reflected on it overnight, um, I don't really think that I need to spend a great deal of time uh, criticizing Phil in that. Uh, space because there are much greater things that need to be talked about much more important things that need to be talked about however if the club are to run it in the future I would consider a slimmed down panel provided there isn't an EFL regulation which requires all of those members to be in front of it Um, and I would uh, have one MC and for the structure to be more coherent Um, but again I think that that's small points in a larger conversation 
Absolutely. Uh, there were a couple of questions or observations about the PowerPoint presentation and where it fit in. In, in, in fairness, in fairness to the club, they they gave a plan. So this presentation was always um, happening. I think we were just eager to get on with it, weren't we? Brendan says, I can't believe we saw another five year plan. You've got to admire their balls. But again, no details provided about how they're we're actually going to achieve it. But if we fail, it's totally the fans' fault for not believing. Did I get that right? And the dart said, it felt like the plans were created 10 minutes before it started and no explanation of how the words on the PowerPoint turn into a meaningful plan. Again, it just didn't feel like the time and place for this. There were some very interesting nuggets within there. Um, They gave it a shot, but given the EFL charge that had just emerged, it just didn't feel like the time for a sales pitch. No, and I sort of addressed this already, but it it comes down to having that ability to be flexible with your communications, to to have someone who will be able to tell you how the fans will react to a certain thing that's going on and to change what you're saying accordingly. Um, it doesn't mean they didn't have to put a presentation together, but realistically, if they've run that presentation past a communications um, director in advance there should have been a critical analysis that it wasn't good enough, that it would have that response. And then all you do then is you make the PowerPoint presentation better and bulkier and you give more detail and you prevent the response from happening. Um, So for me there, it's either they they don't have the right advice to that or or it is genuinely just a uh, a flimsy top-level attempt to show what's going to happen um but i I, giving them the benefit of the doubt i just i think that they are not thinking about how things will be received and it's possibly because they don't have enough staff to have the time to do that um but i think it's more realistically and this is again this is not unique to swindon town they are not investing enough in areas of the club which actually make a huge difference when it comes to its operational standards and that will continue to cause them issues down the line. Um, but yeah, a sales pitch, it's fine to, to, to deliver a plan, to do an update of a plan um, when you have these periodic forums. I'm not, I'm not particularly against that. I just don't think that they're quick enough to recognise what people are going to say about it and where they actually want the conversation to go and get ahead of that conversation because that makes so much difference to the way in which you're perceived. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's just without that EFL charge, go for it. But that happens a couple hours later. You, you've got to have somebody in the building that goes, we've got to revise, scrap it. Appreciate you've done a, a lot of work on this, um, but but we'll have to deliver it another day because people aren't going to want to hear this, especially given what's happened. And this, this brings us to the EFL charge because it's certainly the moment in the forum where things began to get a little bit chaotic, a little bit spicy. First of all, Sam, give us a a very brief rundown of what the actual charge is, because it's one of those moments, again, in my opinion, where when you you drill into it, it's not the the worst thing in the world, but we're so conditioned at Swindon Town that I think if if most most clubs learn that information, they, they go, oh my God, but us is like, oh, is that it? That's nothing. But it's just another thing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. Um, I think someone asked me about that before um, yesterday, before the forum. And I said, yeah, it's just my initial response to it was sort of meh. 
they probably wouldn't have spent a great deal anyway. Um, and, and then you sort of think about that and go, yeah, you, know, you have been conditioned to expect uh, a limited amount of action. Um, the charge itself is pretty simple. They were There are EFL rules on late payments and Swindon Town were 39 days overdue on across three payments between June and November, two of them related to HRC bills, one of them related to ticket monies that was due to a third-party club. Uh, they got a £2,000 fine from which we can deduce that the, the actual total amount due was less than £50,000 because there's a correlation between the size of the fine the EFL can charge and the um, the amount of money that was overdue. And we know that £12,217 were uh, part of the um, tickets, that were, uh, sorry, ticket monies that was owed to a third-party club. I don't know which club that was. So somewhere between... Um, zero although it won't be zero and sort of 20 to thirty thousand was probably owed to hmrc during this period as a result of going uh, late they get a uh, fee restriction which was initially three windows the first window of which is the one that we're currently in so january 24 summer 24 january 25 they appealed against this which was um what we then got the uh, verdict on yesterday and as a result of the appeal it is one window which is the current window january 24 plus a second window summer 24 which is suspended unless the club defaults again in the interim and so the club must pay on time going forwards um otherwise the summer will be very very difficult hello everybody summer is here and when there's no swindon town i do enjoy using my favorite streaming services to watch you know, the same old comedies I've watched a billion times before. But hey, I love it. OK, so don't judge. Alas, being away overseas on holiday in the chateau means I have to go without some of those shows until I've returned home. But no more. NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash lowstrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and the link is in the podcast episode description box. Enjoy your summer. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. Enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell, Outlet Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager, Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering. Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1, well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with Muck Delivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, I'm Anthony Grant, and you're listening to the Loathed Strangers podcast. Anthony Hall um, confirmed there was a, there was a really awkward moment where the the, the 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 crowd wanted to hear from 
Clem Mulfooney and there was this glance between Clem Mulfooney and Anthony Hall where Anthony Hall took the mic and you just felt a little bit, oh, where's the leadership there? Um, there was a lot of justification. Ultimately, it went down to an administrative error and we're all human. Paul T says, would like to know why Clem Mulfooney doesn't employ a competent financial director who is a qualified accountant and can explain answer these tricky questions on things like finance, which clearly he and his CEO haven't a clue about. So then they dig a deeper hole for themselves. And there were there were observations on the night of the fact that we'd gone from zero er- errors in public view to several higher profile front facing incidents. I guess, does that highlight the inexperience that's costing the club from within? And also, is the we're all human and this is just an administrative error, an acceptable excuse because I've read a fair bit of Clem tried, he's admitted his mistakes. I'm still sort of stunned that we still give him so much rope here. Yeah, and I think this comes back to um, to having people in your business who have experience within that business. And for me, it's more important than having players on the pitch who have experience. And it is so crucial in in having operational oversight that is is knowledgeable, um, is calm, is erudite and and has a way that they can deal with uh, situations quickly, effectively and to the betterment of the football club. I don't don't know Anthony Hall personally. I mean, I've I've only met him once and I'm hesitant to go two-footed on him because I don't know enough about him um, to to say anything in particular on him uh, as an individual or his business background. I, I just feel that from a from a a total view of the football club, there are a lot of people there who have not um, had a lot of experience in the roles of, that they're in. And in fact, conversations that I've had with agents within the game have have sort of supported this. They they suggest that there's a lot of people there who who need to have additional support. That doesn't necessarily need to be um, a full time paye employee director level, but you could consider consultants, non-exec directors. I think actually that was brought up by a question was uh, whether or not it would be beneficial to the club to employ um, some form of non-executive or even potentially, you could even see in the in the fan base whether there are people who are willing to commit time um, to to use their skills to, the, to help the club if they are struggling in certain areas. I know for a fact that that has taken place previously. That's not There's nothing wrong in that if, if people want to do that and help the club. But what you've got at the moment is a lot of people who are effectively learning on the job in almost every position in that football club. It's the uh, the owner continues to be learning on the job for what it is to be a football owner because he's had a very turbulent two to three years of, of doing it, constantly with legal cases, not really having any consistency over transfer windows, trying to establish what he wants to be as an owner. You've got a chief executive who's come in after running his plumbing business. Um, you've got a head of football who's been promoted from the head of the academy. You've got a, a manager who uh, is uh, is starting off in his career in that respect. They are, I should say head coach, really. They, they are all of limited experience. And there's absolutely nothing wrong because we all of us have started parts of our careers where we have limited or no experience. There's nothing wrong in it, but it is very unusual for a business to have only those kind of people within it. And that's where it may fall down. And the question then has to be, 
why aren't there more experienced people in the football club? Why why is there not um, put in people who know what they're doing? And I think actually I should exclude um, James Watts in this. Who I, I thought actually spoke very, really well and has got a background within relevant sectors um, from a commercial department's perspective. I thought that, that he came off pretty well last night. Um, but in pretty much every other area, there is the, the sort of limited within a football uh, environment. And it's okay to be limited. It's okay to be inexperienced. Just get in a bit of help. Ask people what it is that they can do better. It's, it's also good as saying we want to do better fan engagement. Ask the fans what they want to do. Listen to the fans when they say what they want. Implement it. Don't just say we want better fan engagement and then a month later say we want better fan engagement because that's that's not doing anything. And and these are areas where I think increasingly it's where the problem is in the club. I, I don't think that it is in areas where people are, may feel particularly strongly about how it's um, being run and whether there is untoward things going on. I think increasingly my, my concern is there is not enough in there of substance to be able to push the, the club forwards. It doesn't have to be quickly. It just has to be visibly. And and it needs to either employ people in full-time positions or it has get some people in to help on a, a voluntary basis, get some people in to help on a non-exec basis, whatever it happens to be, to inject a little bit more life experience, football experience, club experience, and general expertise. And, and then we might start to see some additional progress and some buy-in from the community. At the moment, it really does feel like the club's an island and mm-hmm. the fans are the ocean, and it's not a particularly still ocean at the moment. No, no, and I do agree. James Watts was one of the big winners, if that's the right phrase, of the evening. Sticking with finances, um, I just wanted some clarity on there because there was one comment by Clem Morfuni that suggested that, and it, it might, it, it's almost certainly probably uh, poorly worded, that Clemofuni is wiping the debt, not yet, but at some point, which, why would you? Yeah, um, I don't know why you would, to be honest. Um, it's hard for me to say any more than that, to be yeah. honest, Rich. I, I, don't, I don't know why you would wipe the debt. But I don't he know did the ex- say that, didn't he? He did, he did. He did imply. Did you say that, that I, d- I, d- I didn't pick up on that on the night. Um, I don't know why he would do that. I mean, it'd be incredibly philanthropic of him to do it. Whether he is, whether he has enough liquid capital to actually realistically do that, I'm not sure. I, I, I would understand if he was putting in money on a no interest basis perhaps that that would still be pretty philanthropic in the environment that we're in um so i guess we'll we we, we don't know we'll, we'll see we'll see where where it comes to down the line but uh i would think that it, if he's not expecting it back from the club then he would still expect it back on condition of sale he's not going to the valuation of the club is going to include the money he's put in it's not, he's not just going to part with that money surely no, of course surely. not of course not and and if i misunder or misinterpreted um what i i thought i heard then i'll cheerfully withdraw it but i think there were a few comments along those lines 
two. Moving on, uh, Andy says the increase in budget to 8.2 million that the club don't believe, but Clem has signed off. Why are they reliant on a third party charity to come and do their forensic accounting? There was a lot of leaning on fair game and there has been over the last few weeks, hasn't there? But it's still a few months down the road. Yeah, I, I mean, I've stuck a note into Fair Game today just to see if I can get some info out of them as to the timelines and stuff like that, but I've not heard back yet. Um, the, this is something that confuses me. And again, I, it might just be because the, the wires are crossed and I'm just not understanding properly. But I, I don't understand that they don't know where the money's going out of their accounts in the third year of the ownership. That that That's... I could sort of understand it if it was in year one and they're still coming to terms with it. But you, you surely you know, you, you know, we've all got, and it's much smaller, but with our household budgets or our small company budgets, we know what our expenditure is. We, we know who we're paying. We know who we're behind to. We know when our direct debits come out. We know how much they're for. It, why, why doesn't the club... I don't, I don't understand that, and I'm, I'm. It's to such a point that I just think that I must be being stupid, that I must have missed something that that is obvious about this. But it, 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 it has to come out at some point. I, I mean, I the club. I think that's a really good point, though. It's, I think a lot of people just like, what am I missing here? <laughs> you know. Well, that's that's it. Particularly with this question of of all the questions. Well, there's actually another one, which is the, the around the two point nine five million debenture Ooh, that's and, next, and all the background worry. there. <laughs> yeah, um, but the, the 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 this particular situation of where they don't they don't well they might know, but the the way in which they communicate suggests they don't know, and and that doesn't make sense. But you know they've committed to open and transparent accounts with a commentary and to run it by an independent auditor. So, I mean, they can't possibly be trying to hide something because it's going to have to come out now or they, or if they renege on that, then everyone's going to jump on them again. So surely they know, and it's going to be publicized at some point soon. Oh, Maybe I, I can't get an answer on this. I, don't, I can't figure it out even in my head of what question to ask to get the answer, to be honest, because it's the same sort of answer that's come up regularly in terms of we don't know exactly what the situation is in the in that cost space. Um, it's it's confusing, uh, and I, again, another knot that just tightens. Yeah, and and that brings us nicely to the debentures, which is a passionate conversation point within this forum and generally within the fan base. Nick Kay says, what I'd like to know is, uh, did Power buy the debenture after Clem bought the club after their ownership battle? Josh says, the, legit- the legitimacy of the 2.95 million debenture payment needing to be paid within three days. And that's that's a key thing here. Not many people, regardless of what knowledge they have of this of this case, nobody's really buying that three days. And Bennett says the due diligence wasn't possible when Morfuni bought the club. The debenture timeline is not lining up. It's all very murky, and that was the that was the the calls during the forum of it's it's just it's it's very very murky. Yeah, although on this one, I'm not sure the murkiness lies as much with the current ownership as it does with the previous one. Um, and I, I'm still again trying to understand the full background of uh, who bought the debenture. I, it didn't end up as far as I'm aware in Power's hands. I think it ended up. In a different in different hands, um, but 
but the, it's never been listed against anyone but Andrew Black and Sir Martin Arbib, if you take the, the company's house documentation. Um, I'm trying to speak to someone who can actually give me some more insight into this, but I know some due diligence has been done in places by people, by, by uh, well-connected fans about whether or not it was a realistic um, possibility, the three days, and that being called in by by power. Um, and the general opinion is it, that the threat of administration was real, that that, that could, was possible without money being raised, but the, the three-day timeline is still um, a little bit greyer. And, and they didn't answer that in a convincing way, did they, the three-day element? They're very... They're very feel like they're very clued up and they, they believe what they're saying in terms of the threat mm. but the three-day turnaround they 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 didn't really answer that in a way that I didn't I wasn't convinced that they believe that it's one of those ones though Rich isn't it why would you make that up exactly but so, yeah, yeah I don't so yes evidently the debenture or a form of debenture or some sort of payment was called in that was going to risk the, com- the company being placed into a administration or to have another strike off against it um uh, as a result of it I, I don't think that's disputable i think that there's i think we all, we all accept that that's true so why would they say oh but we only had three days because you know if, if he couldn't raise it uh, sorry if he had to get some money from someone else in three days he was going to have to get someone else from money for someone else in 30 days he's not suddenly going to discover this cash down the back of the sofa uh, it, there is no reason to make that up Unless you're a pathological liar, and you're just doing it for effect, and I just don't, I just don't know why they would do it. I, I just so so that leaves me to think, well, there's got to be some credibility to it. But the fact is, it's another thing which doesn't make sense. And in a world where nothing makes sense, we question everything. We certainly do. I, I think from those who are cynical about it, they feel maybe it's a bit of hyperbole trying to really magnify the issues and the problems we were in. You know, Jen McQuarrie talking about debt from the 1950s and 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 then you have this round, so if we didn't pay in, in three days, then we're dead or in administration, sorry. Um, something something that, like, I, I'm so curious about about this element. Like, Zav Austin from Clem gets a lot of credit for saving the club. We're, we're told about that three-day turnaround to pay the debentures or, or town face administration. And if that is 100% gospel truth, then Chris Kiley provided the club with millions within that time scale. And that is so significant. That is, not, you know, I'm, I'm not a wealthy man, Sam, but even if I was, that's, that's serious, serious money. Yet there's never been any fanfare for Chris Kiley or that much recognition. There's been some, but not to the level that Zav Austin gets for, for his participation in Morfuni becoming owner. And that always gives me that feeling of why. Why is Chris Kiley this peripheral, mysterious figure who has, in theory, saved the club? Why doesn't Clem Fooney hold his contribution in as high a regard as Zab Austin's? Ultimately, because I know it's this is tricky, tricky territory. It would have been great and very relevant to have had Chris Kiley on that panel. It really would. Yeah, well, he's a person of significant control. Well, in in perpetuity. Um, uh, It's possible that Chris Kiley does not want to be recognised 
publicly. It's, poss it's possible that um, that that's why right? that that he's very happy operating in this role that he operates in, and uh, and so on and so forth. And um, I don't know what the conditions of the loan are that he would have given to to, to help pay off that debenture, but it's possible that there is uh, an element of financial benefit that that he could take from that loan in terms of interest. I don't know for sure, but I, you know, I'm speculating as to how he might be able to to benefit from it. Um, so, yeah, I can understand there being environments in which he, he wouldn't be um, brought to the fore, and for for good reasons for for him for Clem. Um, so, I, what I'm more keen to know is is what what he's in it for. Like, why why is he involved in Swin and Town? Does he want to do it because he is genuinely interested in developing his um, uh, a scouting model and, and a recruitment model within a football club. Is he doing it to make some cash? Um, is is he doing it just for the life experience? Um, is he doing it because he's a gambler and this is a gamble? Uh, I, I I don't know, and I would be very interested to speak to him and, and find out what um, his motivations are, um, and and that that would you know help us a lot in terms of getting to understand what the the ownership is currently about. Because obviously, right now he or his family are, are significant uh, shareholders in, in our club. Um, and, and you want to know a bit more about the people who are responsible for the future of your, of your football club. Um, but in terms of lining up against the, the sort of um, tributes that Zav Austin gets from, from Clem Morfuni, I, I don't see that as being anything particularly um, worth concerning yourself over. Um, it, it may well be that just one person has the need to be appreciated publicly and the other person doesn't. It's a huge moment potentially in their own narrative of, of events. Um, the selling the club conversation was also discussed. That was triggered by the EFL charge because if you look on page 10, um, there is an acknowledgement that the club may be up for sale and they, Clemorfini continues with the "I'm a businessman. If someone comes in with a an offer, then we're going to listen." But that's all well and good to the fan base, but to the EFL, surely you're going to be a bit more upfront to them about it. And therefore, that makes me think that there's probably more to more to it than that. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, what was written is that the the, the Casey who wrote the judgment inferred that um, it was potentially going to be up for sale so it, it you know that there are several stages removed of it actually being up for sale i've got a theory on this and um, which is it is possible that the club could have used in mitigation the uh the uh possibility that in the future the club could be sold or in the intervening period between now and the end of the original verdict so summer 25 uh sorry january 25 that the club could be sold in theory and that this would have a real terms impact on that sale, which is true. All of that is true. It, of course it could be sold between then and now, because as Morfuni has said regularly, a big offer comes in, he's going to have to consider it or those who between them have control of the club would have to consider it. So I could see that potentially within the appeal, the club would have mentioned it. And it would have been a fair argument as well within an appeal. And from that, the KC could have inferred that it could possibly be put up for sale. And that that's my take from it. I don't again, I don't think there's anything in my opinion, I don't think there's anything necessarily more from that. I don't you know, it is definitely not actively up for sale. You know, it's, they, the club is not out there trying to find people to buy it. That's for sure. 
Um, but would those who own it consider a big offer if it came in that met their valuation? Well, of course they would. Because why would why would you want? Well, I presume of course they would. Because why would you want to stay in the environment in which they currently are? And it would be a, a lot less stressful to to exit with their money back in their back pocket. Um, so yeah, I, again, another thing that I'm not so fussed about, and in my opinion, we shouldn't dwell too much on. Uh, I can see the club having said that it is possible it could be sold in the window and that it would be detrimental to that sale. Let's go to Karachi, shall we? Is this an area that that you care about? I don't, it's 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 an area that that is just again it's murky um alex pike gave it a good go but in the end i think gavin gunning was just like just put the mic down man um this ain't worth it um oh gosh um it's again we're talking about communications there's still no major clarity on karachi nothing to do with swindon despite a whole lot of swindon town fc presence as as somebody (laughs) As somebody who chooses to sink hundreds of pounds into Swindon Town on a yearly basis, that's my choice. I, I do find it galling listening to people talk about what great experiences they've been having in Australia and Pakistan in the name of Swindon Town or friends of Swindon Town. Yet our club, the one that we invest in, seems to be struggling to function in 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 a way, you know, with with these administrative errors and these honest mistakes. The Karachi thing is is tricky ground. Um, Zav Austin was actually at the event, as was, as a side, Adam Hart. It might have been good for Zav to have been fielding some of these questions on Karachi, even if he's not comfortable doing so, because there was a lot on it, wasn't there? Yeah. And uh, I, I think on its own, the project is not something that we should get worked up about. Unfortunately, it comes into a narrative of consistency of messaging What's the truth? What's not the truth? Do they even know what the truth is? And are they telling the fans the truth? And with this one in particular, it's incredibly difficult to know what's happened. Um, they When Zav Austin went over to Pakistan in 2021, he did so in the guise of a Swindon Town representative. And there are there are tweets from the commissioner in Karachi, the Pakistani commissioner, in which he had, he, it, he he is addressed as the Swindon Town Vice Chairman, I think, in in those tweets. So evidently, the people hosting him thought that he was attached to Swindon Town. He can't be formally attached to Swindon Town because of his background, which is not to take away from the fact that everybody deserves second chances. And rehabilitation is an important part of society moving forward in a progressive way. Absolutely. So I've got no issue with that. But according to EFL rules, he can't have a formal attachment to the club. So then it became, no, Zav's doing it by himself. But if he is doing it by himself, why is a club sending personnel out there with him if they're paying for it? Uh, I just, uh, it bounces from one to another, from another reason to another reason. It's, it's never going to earn the club money. I don't know whether it is going to benefit Zav Austin in any other way. I'm not sure. But it just is yet another instance of a uh, a, a side project or a, something that's being implemented that just that doesn't make sense because it keeps changing what it is or how it wants to be, and and therefore it's a problem. Again, is it going to cause a huge amount of damage to the football club going forwards? 
unless the EFL use it in a way of saying that that Zavostin was involved in a formal role within the football club and that is a breach of regulations, which, to be honest, they probably would have done by now if they were going to do that. Um, I don't think it's going to impact on the, the club. It's not going to cost... it. Will, if it does cost the club, it'd be a minimal amount of money. Uh, so it, by itself, as an isolated thing, I don't think it's a huge amount to be concerned about. But it's not an isolated thing, and that's where the concern is. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. And it all comes back to the same thing each and every time: communication, communication, communication. And uh, that was raised a few times. And we get the sort of light, fluffy. We're going to do a video once a month explaining what we're doing. I, I would probably argue that we're probably too far down the road now for that because there will be cynical eyes and ears and we we tend to botch most communications up i mean the the, the fact that they keep on saying i mean there was one bit where clem Fooney said have you even read the advisory board minutes you don't want to be promoting that because they're not fun to read and that they, they, they're a bit toe curling um but what do we what do they need to do to improve this so it gets as many fans on the same wavelength as possible. Because this is the big problem at the moment. The big problem is the fraction between Swindon fans that are keen to just move forward and the ones that are going, no, this is not acceptable. How do they get everybody to sit and listen? Well, I think this comes back to the conversation that we had last time that I was speaking to you, Rich, and I don't I think there's a chunk that that won't come back that are lost to this ownership. And there are a chunk that are also very much um, behind this ownership who, are, who aren't going to think in a different way about it. Um, so I think there's going to be a split permanently now. Uh, I don't think that there is a great deal that can be done that will win them round. Certainly not in the short term. This is going... The first thing they need to do is finish in the top half of League Two. And if they can at all flirt with the possibility of the playoffs for as long as they can this season, then that will keep a lot of people happier. Um, so I guess that's on. That's now on Gavin Gunning to, to, to get those wins. He said he thought eight or nine might put them in with a chance. I think more like 12 will, will probably put them in with a chance of, of getting into those playoff places. By the way, that's never going to happen. It's, but, you know, it, just for the sake of argument, if they can hang on until Easter, still being within touching distance of the playoffs, you know, two, three wins away, then then maybe that keeps the season alive. And as long as the season is alive on the field, a lot of people aren't as distracted as what's happening off the field. For those people who are very, very concerned about the future direction of the club and people who are much more diligent into uh, what the club is more than a football team, I think that there is an awful lot of work that needs to go on in terms of how they portray themselves. And they need to reflect on absolutely everything they've said over three years and see what they've said and come up with a consistent narrative for every single element that they're being questioned on at the moment now. And that has to stick up under scrutiny. You, You can't just collapse by looking over a small number of documents or by speaking to a small number of people. So we, we have to find I have to find answers which are true and are convincing. Um, they must not default again between now and the window because that would rule out paying any fee for anyone in the summer. Uh, 
which given the number of short-term contracts that are, there are in the club and the fact that the club still requires an element of cash flow, which means that it is likely that any reasonable bid for a player would see them depart, then they need to be able to uh, bring in players and reinvest and actually reinvest that money if they want to, of course. So any more administrative errors like that actually have huge impacts on the club for next season. And I think that a lot of people went meh about this one because they've looked, they've ruled the season out. It's gone. It's not happening. They might finish uh, in the top half, possibly in the top 10, um, but it's not going to be anything more than that. So people are thinking now, well, it's not actually really impacting on us. If it happens in the summer, it really impacts on the club. Um, and even if it impacts in a way where the, the management team believe they can get round it, and they have been creative in taking on other people's contracts and, and so forth this window, but even if they think they can do it that way, from a PR perspective, again, it's a huge loser. If they people know that they're under uh, another fee restriction, uh, what, what does that do to the product um, that people are trying to buy into? So I, th- I think that that, that is, that is a, a huge part. They've got to get the admin better. They've got to be on the ball. Whatever it's been that's been going wrong, whatever it is, whether it's just getting to grips with the club, whether it's inexperience, um, whatever it happens to be, it has to be addressed, either through their current staff or by employing more people who know what they're doing. Uh, they need to understand that the, uh, the ownership can't just say things and not do things that that just doesn't work you you have to be shown to being committing to a community project and the sad thing is that the work below first team senior level um is is actually really pretty good community wise the foundation continues to do superb work the women's team are on the up the academy is actually producing good players which actually might make the club some cash in the summer this is this is all good things that are happening in the background, but those things need to have the space to bre- to live and breathe by themselves. And it won't as long as the top is suffocating it by these many, many instances of things going wrong, mistakes. And there are only so many mistakes you can make before you're judged to be not good enough. And, you know, for some people that has been reached, for others it hasn't been reached. Um, and there is, a, we talked at the early part of this window about this transfer window being critical. That that was for this season. I think that they've made some interesting signings. It'll be interesting to see how they all go together. I don't think that what's happened is enough to convert the people who've been lost during this window. What they need to do between now and the summer is not lose any more. And uh, I think from this situation, it's going to be a lot easier said than done. And that currently, to me, kind of, is the the working title of the project is easier said than done <laughs> it really does seem that way well we'll close on the football operation gavin gunning featured quite prominently on the night and was praised by a lot of those who tuned in some some weren't as convinced but um mostly uh praised especially when you consider he's just the interim manager so to step up and and really go it get involved was quite impressive there were a few fans that observed that he acted a lot more than an interim manager. Do you think that's fans overthinking or do you think he is a genuine candidate for the job? 
I think he definitely is a genuine candidate for the job. I mean, he's got a hundred percent win record at the moment, so <laughs> why wouldn't he be? I, I, but I mean, to 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 be a little bit more serious on it, I think that you, you have to if you're if you're being employed in that role for four months, I think you have to be considered to be that is your audition for the full time position. Um, regardless, that I think that he needs support on the bench and in the in the coaching departments. Um, with only Steve Mildenhall and Liam McCartan, that's that's not a big backroom staff, um, and there there will be a need to bring in people in the in the summer. I mean, in my opinion, there's a need to bring in now to to help support them, but they may feel that they're capable of doing it, and if they feel they're capable of doing it, then then who am I to question guys who've been doing it their whole lives? Um, but yes, he's definitely he's definitely in the running for the full time job. Of course, he is. Uh, any any caretaker manager, pretty much, apart from the professional caretaker managers who really do just come in as a sort of crisis management solution, are, are candidates because they get their their teams playing and they have a short period of time to show that they can they can get results. The fact that he's made he made a, a significant changes to the structure of the side and got a result in the first game. Um, gives him a, a good start, but there'll be bigger tests coming in the in the next few weeks, and it'll be interesting to see how that squad um, and what he's trying to do, the type of football he's trying to do, um, result uh, gets the result. Uh, it was very telling when he was asked about the quality of of League Two. That was that was I thought I thought that was that was very interesting. He just called it a, a shit league, didn't he? Yeah, he certainly did. <laughs> He certainly did. So, so there we go. That's that's pretty much it. Thank you to everyone that sent stuff in. We didn't weren't able to cover every single thing. I think we covered all the the major bits. Was there anything that we missed out? Inevitably, yeah. But, uh, I'm sure we'll do it all again soon, Rich. So, oh, almost <laughs> certainly. Well, Sam, thank you again for for taking your time out, um, finding a lunch break with me in order to record this. It's much appreciated, and I hope the listeners enjoy. Thank you very much. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on you Reds! Come on, Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.